Luke DeCock of the News and Observer is joining us now on the Adam Gold Show. Uh, I know you've been busy. Uh, Rod Brindamore uh, spoke after practice today. Let's start there. And uh, we we obviously don't know. I already read your tweet. We don't know anything. We won't know anything until Monday. Uh, where's your head at with Max Pacioretty's injury and where the Canes are at right now? I, you know, it's kind of what I, I tweeted last night. There's ways you can, there's tests you can do that you can tell if someone's uh, Achilles tendon is not functioning. Um, I've had them done myself uh, to me right. when I tore my calf. So I've been, I, I know, I know what that's like. I've been through it. Certainly Max Pacioretty does. So my suspicion is, um, without any actual evidence, is the reason everybody's so glum is because there are indications that he definitely retore that Achilles. Now, they won't know for sure uh, until Monday. That's As I, as I tweeted earlier, that's, mm-hmm. his MRI has been pushed back to Monday. They want to let the, I guess, swelling or whatever kind of calm down and settle down. So that's going to wait a few days. But I also don't think, quite honestly, there's a ton of urgency because they all kind of know what's coming. Um, including Max. I mean, Rod Brindamore said today, you know, he's he's pretty beat up, and um, you know, where everybody's kind of uh, operating under the same assumption here, hoping for some good news. But I, I think it's safe to say nobody's expecting it. The other issue that uh, that they have, Jacob Slavin did not practice today. Uh, he may have been injured uh, on his last shift last night. There was kind of an awkward hit up against the boards, okay, uh, with Joel Erickson yep. and and he didn't play after that. Uh, he didn't practice today. He is going to make the trip with the team, so this feels more like a rest uh, or recovery day than uh, some than a you know an injury that's going to be an issue. But you never know. Um, it's just you know everybody else practiced today, so it wasn't like there were a lot of a lot of rest days or maintenance days. This was a full practice minus Fatcheretti and Slavin and Andre Chkase, who's 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 MIA again. So uh, that's a little bit of a concern, but based on Brendan Moore's comments, it's, I think it's less of a concern, obviously, than Pacioretty, which, you know, everyone is still sort of fearing that worst-case scenario. All right, real, real quick to Slavin. They were on the power play the last minute or so, so uh, not unusual for Slavin to not play, but if he wasn't at practice today, there might be uh, there might be an issue there. Hopefully nothing nothing will, uh, will keep Jacob Slavin from the lineup. All right. So even without Max Pacioretty's injury, here's where my head was at. I'm curious your thoughts. I still think they need a number two center. I still think they need another option at on the third defensive pair on the left side next to Jalen Chatfield. Uh, do you share that, and do you think it's more acute now? I definitely share your concerns about the third pairing. In fact, uh, until Brady Shea scored last night, I was I was busy formulating a column about how after those first three incredibly bad power plays, well, the first one wasn't bad, but after the, the first right. three power plays and, you know, the wild scoring on their first power play, it was kind of an object lesson in special teams and goaltending, which ironically, the Hurricanes spent the rest of the game performing their own object lesson in special teams and goaltending. But I was yeah. saying my plan was to write that it's, it's time to stop screwing around and not wait for the trade deadline and go and get a third-pairing defenseman who has some offensive ability, who can play with Jalen Chatfield and make the most of Chatfield's abilities um, and help out on that second power play unit. Uh, that was sort of obviated by events. To me, that's been their first priority. I do think with Pacioretty going down, you know, we said all year long, they're going to need to add a forward. Pacioretty's going to be that forward. It's mm-hmm. not the way it was planned, but it's the way it's working out. Now I think they're going to have to go get somebody. And the question is, you know, will they bite the bullet and get a rental, or are they going to try to wait and maneuver and try to get somebody either with term or somebody that they can, you know, trade and either sign and trade or trade and then sign um, so they're not giving up assets for a rental. I, I don't know that that's going to be possible in this market, that they're going to want to give up the kinds of, of assets 
um, that, uh, you know, that, 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 that it would take to get some of these rentals that are going to be out there. Uh, that said, I think it's something they need to look at and something that they need to, to do because they're, they're, you could see it in the first half and you could see it when Pacioretty came back. They mm-hmm. were a forward short. Yep. When Pacioretty was there, everything slotted in this place. So, yes, I think they're going to have to use the cap space that's freed up by Pacioretty uh, to, to add not just a third pairing defenseman, but a forward. So, yeah, I, I wasn't necessarily on the same page with you before. Uh, I am now. I think, I think they've got to do both those things. And quite honestly, given how long it can take for guys to fit in and, and a team to gel, especially a team with you know, the ambitions that this one has, I, I think there's a there's an imperative to get both of those things done quickly. I don't think that's changed. You know, the, obviously the second unit, quote unquote, second unit looks better. Last night with Shea out there by mm-hmm. himself, and nobody was in a joking mood after the game. But we did joke with Shea that how much Brett Pesci had apparently been holding him back on the power play <laughs> uh, when he was out there solo last night. But uh, you know, I think there's an imperative to get all of that done done quickly and get the team together that you're going to go into April and May and June with. Get that together now and let everyone slot into place. And that means potentially parting with a player that people are fond of. That may have to happen. Yeah, I don't think they're going to trade anybody off the roster. I really don't. I think they're going to try to use future assets, maybe prospects. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade anybody off this roster unless it's somebody that does have term uh, that they believe can be a big part of this team going forward. Uh, other than, the, I know the Brady-Shea trade, which is interesting, right? The Shea trade was out of necessity because that was at a time where Brett Pesci and Dougie Hamilton were both out. They had to get somebody who could play. And I don't know, if had Hamilton and Pesci not been hurt, I don't know if they go and do that. Uh, but as it turns out, Brady Shea becomes part of their core now. I think he's as important as almost anybody. Uh, and the Vincent Trocek trade. And, and I know you had it as part of w- one of your uh, top trades uh, in the 25 years of the uh, of the Hurricanes. And that's part of the anniversary podcast. Go check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but the last couple of years has been not impressive at the trade deadline. And yeah. it's this is if if you believe this team can win a Stanley Cup, then this team has to be fortified to go and do that, especially since the teams around you are going to, and they are going to get better. Let me ask you about the, um, first of all, Freddie Anderson was, I, I mean, I, Rod said it might have been the best game he played with the in, Hurricanes. In a, in a Hurricanes uniform, sure. Right. I, spectacular, spectacular. Yeah, I don't know how he wasn't one of the three stars, but that's fine. Uh doesn't really matter. Uh, all right, NC State at North Carolina. Bigger game for which team? Neither. I honestly feel like, I mean, it's a bigger game for state because of their miserable history in the Smith center. There's no question about that. A win in Chapel Hill is going to mean more to NC state than UNC. But I think in the big picture, a loss in this game doesn't hurt either team. I think they're both safely in the tournament picture. A win helps, but it's not, it's not in a, in a huge way. Um, I feel like the stakes in this game, other than pride, are really the lowest that they've been in some time. And neither team needs this win. Both teams would like it. It's a it's an interesting dynamic to me. It's been a long time, probably 2015 or so, maybe even 2012, where NC State didn't go in desperately needing to win this game. And obviously they haven't won many of them, and not since 2018. But it, it, it just strikes me as a weird place where both teams have done so much work to this point. And obviously Carolina is the team that we thought they would be in August or September or whatever. Um, but they're fine from an NCAA tournament perspective. It's weird to me that 
there isn't that sort of, oh, my God, if they've got to win this game or if they win this game, it changes their season. It really doesn't for either team. I think it's almost refreshing in a way that this isn't the end-all, be-all nuclear Armageddon of basketball games. It's just a rivalry game, and, and maybe that'll maybe that'll take some of the pressure off NC State because, obviously, they do not have a tradition of playing well in no. the building. But here's the thing. I mean, with the backcourts on these teams, either one can shoot the lights out and either one can shoot you right out of the game. They're high volume, high variance, hot and cold. It's so, so I look at this game really as anything can happen. And I, I think the one big development that maybe changes things a little bit is, you know, NC state's been able to kind of do this, you know, power forward by committees thing with DJ Burns and Ernest Ross and Greg Gant. They may have a chance to at least fight the, the battle with Armando Bacot to a draw. I don't think there's any chance they win it but there's a chance there to, to kind of hold their own and maybe that gives their guards a chance to win the game. But I say all that, you know, an idiot would pick NC State to win in Chapel Hill given the way that series has gone over the years. I believe, Victoria, write it down. Luke just called me an idiot. That's fine. Um, I actually think this game means more in, in a big picture, not in a rivalry sense, or uh, and maybe I look at North Carolina I mean, not that NC State is a sure thing for the tournament either, based on how much basketball we have left to play and needing to continue to play well. Um, but I don't look at North Carolina's resume and see anything that is that impressive that they don't need this game. They're one and six against quad one opponents. This is a quad one game right now, and I think NC State will stay in uh, in the top quad for the rest of the year. This is an important game for UNC, whose only quad one win, I think, is Ohio State, which might not be a quad one win tomorrow, and they weren't the better team that night. I haven't seen North Carolina play well against a good team yet. You know, the thing about the Tar Heels, they're basically, to me, and this is probably hurt them and taken them out of this position, but it's a hard position to get out of once you're in it mentally. They kind of went into the season like the Warriors having a really hard time to get up for Sacramento on a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's bled later into the season. And, and you know, Armando Baycott talked around uh, Christmas time about potentially team potentially having turned a corner against Ohio State at that time. And then obviously there was some regression. I feel like this is a team because of the way they turned it on in February and March a year ago. Uh, is playing that hand and just kind of biding their time to February or March. I, I look at the schedule they have left and the the, the games they play. I, I think Carolina is going to be fine in terms of not being on the bubble. I don't. I mean, I think everybody, Duke, Carolina, State, is going to end up being a six, seven, eight seed. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think anybody's going to be in Greensboro unless they luck into it as the seven seed against second seeded Tennessee or something. But. <laughs> Uh, you know, everybody's going to go to Albany and Sacramento and Des Moines and Orlando and scatter to the four winds while Tennessee and Virginia are in Greensboro. But um, I, I just don't see that, that NCAA tournament crisis. Uh, you know, it may make a difference of a seed line or two in the end, but um, I, think, I think the Tar Heels are going to be fine. I, I have zero concern there. I think the only concern I have is I think Wake Forest still has a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. um, and I'd like to see four, all four of the big four get into the NCAA tournament the same year all four made a bowl game for the for the first time uh, in the same season. So um, I, I think that would be cool to have that sort of sure. season uh, fun. But I, I don't think Carolina's got a lot of work to do. Wake has a lot of work to do, but mm-hmm. uh, I think the other three are fine. Uh, in, interestingly enough, Wake might be better than both of them. I don't know. I mean, I, I love Steve Forbes, and I think his team uh, has a lot of potential. Real quick, before we let Luke DeCock go, uh, your thoughts on Miami at Duke, and it does look like Duke is going to be – 
I don't know, four-point favorite, something like that? Yeah, I mean, I probably would, would, would take Miami. I feel like it's going to be a close game. My, look, Miami's really good. And I yeah. think Duke at home is really good. If this game were in Miami, I think it's gonna, it would be tough sledding for the Blue Devils, who really have, haven't been able to turn that corner on the road that they have. I, I think they have at home. I think they play with confidence at home. They have an identity at home. They've really struggled on the road, which, you know, as young teams tend to do. I, I still think there's a lot of upside for this Duke team. Obviously, has been somewhat disappointing based on what, where they were in the preseason for obvious reasons. I mean, there's no, no illusions here when you're two star, you're two of your three star freshmen are clearly not all the way back from the injury, mm-hmm. whether that's physically or, you know, sort of in terms of game fitness. Um, they're going to struggle. They don't have anyone who they can count on to score except Kyle Filipowski against teams that have nobody in the middle. Um, they don't have that guard who can create his own shot that, that Derek Whitehead's supposed to be. They don't have the leader as long as Jeremy Roach is out. They don't have a lot of leadership on that team without Jeremy Roach. So there's a lot of weaknesses on the Duke team. That said, they found ways at various points to overcome those. And they've also found ways at various points to be completely sunk by them. So, <laughs> I, you know, this is another really good test for Duke. They've got to win some of these games and, and win them resoundingly, kind of like they did against Pitt where they the, the comeback at home. They've got to do a few of those things at home, and then they've got to do it on the road if this is going to be more than a one-and-out situation in March. So I think this is a really good test for Duke. Miami's really good, yep. and NC State's win over Miami in Raleigh was a really good win, and their loss down there, given how you know the lead that they had at one point, ended up being a, a bad loss emotionally, but it's not a bad loss in the scheme of things because mm-hmm. Miami's good. So you know this is a, an, interesting, an interesting one for me. If Duke really did turn a corner against Pitt, this is a game that Duke should find a way to win. But the way they played on the road, you just you still have questions about whether this team is ever going to be more than the sum of its parts. I agree. I uh, Look, we don't know about Jeremy Roach. We don't know if he's going to play. We don't know what his health is, even if he does play. Uh, I, it's hard for me to figure out how Duke's going to score unless they get 25 offensive rebounds, which maybe they can against Miami. Luke DeCock, appreciate your time. Good work on uh, on the Hurricanes front. I will talk to you later. See you, buddy.